0: Welcome to the Rudo Love Podcast, a series of interviews and anecdotes tailored for the inquisitive souls of today. Today, I've got Gal Achman with me today, and she is a dear, dear friend. And as I say with my oo interviews, they are um, juicy questions to people that move me. And let me tell you, this creative soul definitely moves me, both within her presence and magic, Um, but also within her work and the breadth and prolific aspects of what she does. Gal is a director, writer, producer, and whether it's documentary on the female orgasm gap or Aotearoa's drag king culture, or (laughs) sci-fi-esque music videos that dig deep into fantasy and storytelling, You are a very vast and prolific artist.
1: Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: (laughs) I wanted to celebrate some of your triumphs together and dig into some of the backstories. Cool. I'd be happy to.
1: Fantastic.
0: I wanted to start with on your website, you have a statement about you and I want to read it to you and get like a sense of what sticks out for you. (laughs) I I love it.
1: I have not read that in many years so let's let's see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> see see if it stands true i think so i think it will i'm driven by a desire to tell stories with a heartbeat a message and a purpose my ethos is to tell stories authentically genuinely respectfully and with care that also transfers to how i run my set making sure both my client and crew are happy and feel cared for I put diversity on the screen as much as possible and love representing the underrepresented and giving a voice to the voiceless. Whether it's heartbreaking or heartwarming, I love creating content with a difference that makes a difference.
1: That's so lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, do just remember that I did update this recently because it was really ancient and then I... um, I took part of the Dock Edge pitch competition that I made into with my Drag Kings documentary series that I've developed. that's still in early development. And Dock Edge is kind of a constitution, I guess, I don't know how to call it, uh, of documentary making in New Zealand, but also internationally. And it's internationally connected to a lot of channels and places and people that you want to know as a filmmaker. And so I applied with my series and got into this pitching competition and then I had to write a full-on pitch about why I do what I do and what what I love and that was part of it actually Mm. so I did actually update it and I totally forgot so yeah it
0: does it does stand true oh great I'm so glad that it stands true and how beautiful that it could be pulled from a source that was about something so specific Mm. in purpose and intent with the drag king Documentary series. Oh, I'm excited about learning more about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's really exciting. Yeah, I think having gone through the Doc Edge Pitch process, which is a few months of different presentations and workshops that you get to attend in the lead up to the competition, made me really think about why I make what I make and why
0: I am <laughs> who I am as a filmmaker or mm. as a person, I suppose. Yeah, because you're doing all the time. You're like pretty much always in the process of getting the funds for the next thing or making sure that the client for the thing that you're on is getting their vision met. So how wonderful that you got to reflect. Yes. No, it it was
1: really good. It was nice to step back and kind of go back into the almost like student. I don't know if it's really mm. student. For me, it felt like it a bit, you know, just listening and sitting there and listening, which I sometimes find hard because I'm dyslexic. So I've always been more of a doer and always been yeah active so sitting back and actually listening and thinking uh, as challenging as it is (laughs) was quite nice and especially at this time in my career because I feel like I've done a lot of different things and my voice as a director has developed so much over the last few years uh so it was nice to reflect and get a lot of clarity about what 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 I do and
0: yeah and was the dock edge experience fa- like facilitated well? Do you feel like it was curated for the participants really well?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was difficult with COVID because usually they'd have these workshops and presentations and talks in person. So it a lot of it happened over Zoom, and it kind of spread out a lot. It was supposed to be two months earlier, and then it got pushed because of lockdown. Mm. So I think that was hard for them and I think for all of us because we couldn't be there physically, but we could be there for the actual pitch and the Doc Edge Forum. And the Doc Pitch team, like I've never applied, I've never done anything in this world. So it was really nice to, to do it and get into the finals and have this experience and meet all these inspirational people. They're really, really nice and caring and really tentative. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And really personable. I could tell that they really believed in the project and that Mm. was that in its own was, was really nice.
0: Yeah. And so was this a new community of creatives for you?
1: Yeah, in a way. So the core team at DockEdge are people that I only met through the process and a lot of other people too, but they bring in different professionals um, from the film industry to talk and workshop and do all sorts of stuff Oh, cool! With us. And so a few of them I have met through my times of working in the film
0: industry. Mm. Ooh, wonderful. So, Good with your purpose statement on your website. Feels very current. Love that. (laughs) Um, The questions that I wanted to start with, before I get into like the juice of the projects, I wanted to ask general unique aspects of the kind of three categories of film that you uh, display in your portfolio. So you've got commercials, you've got music videos and documentaries. Uh, So what are some of the advantages that each of those categories have in regarding to good storytelling oh gosh um <laughs> like what's so great about a commercial in terms of your ability to tell a good story
1: well commercials are good because they're well paid nice <laughs> and you you get to work with a bigger budget than you would with most other content being made normally depends it really depends I guess the advantage of doing creating stories within that world is that you have to kind of think in a more of a marketable way, like Mm. how, well, cause I, I write a lot of the ideas for commercials as well as like direct them. So I always think about, what will appeal to me as a consumer. And Mm. I guess in a way that kind of translates to everything that we consume in terms of media. But when it comes to commercials, um, usually the clients have quite a strong idea of what they want to express through it, or, or at least like they have a bit of a brief of what you can't express through it. like you have to kind of stick to that. So it does limit what you can do with it as well yeah. as budget but yeah I guess if I had to say commercials they kind of you have to be limited to what the client kind of wants but in a way that let I like it because oh yeah it makes me think okay how can I do it and still uh hit all of these different requests and briefs um mm. so I find it a, like a nice challenge sometimes it's hard because obviously you want to make it as magical well I you know me I like to do a bit of magical oh, fantasy you bring stuff. the magic <laughs> And I like to have my own sort of look, but at times you just have to do what they want. And that's also fine. But yeah, it's a a good learning curve for me to just like do what people want.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How dare they? (laughs) But they give you a juicy budget, so that's good. (laughs) What about um, with music videos? What are some of the cool things that you get to do with a music video to tell a story?
1: Yeah, I love music videos. It's definitely one of those things that I feel like no matter what happens in my career I'll probably still do because Mm. they're just so much fun like they can be really challenging and the budgets are minuscule but (laughs) but they're really fun usually I've worked with artists that are really open to me bringing on my own ideas and I love working with artists I'm a I'm a musical nerd, so, like, I love music. I've always been around music. And so collaborating with artists is a real joy for me. And to talk about what their songs mean to them and really get into the deep details mm. of that and what they want to convey. And I just, I guess, music videos, to me, are a bit more like poetry. Like,
0: mm. I get
1: a lot of passion yes. <laughs> from them. And they are challenging because... um in New Zealand, we only have so much money in, in that. Yeah. Um, so again, like commercials, you have limitations. I find that people and crew crew around uh, music videos are quite keen to just be a part of something cool. And so Mm. it kind of has this camaraderie around it and we're all doing something that we're passionate about, which, which is something that I love.
0: Hmm. So tell me about the documentary that you did, Young and Can't Come. Yeah. I mean, that was interesting because you were telling a story but it was also about of your story in there.
1: Yeah, so Young and Can't Come was a idea that I had years ago actually. And it was originally f- framed as like the orgasm gap or
0: something around the yeah. orgasm gap and the female orgasm. For context, people there is statistical proof, <laughs> anecdotal and statistical proof that women in the bedroom orgasm less, um, if at all. So us even bringing light to some of that and to center sexuality and the sex act around both or all parties' priority for pleasure is kind of where that investigation of gap lies. It's not the gap is in like, you know give us more it's hey let's center everyone's pleasure and not just one person's pleasure yeah yeah how did the documentary come about so in my early 20s
1: i went on my own sort of Mm. self-discovery journey when it came to orgasms because i realized that i wasn't orgasming as much as i could have and i didn't realize that i could orgasm more wow And then I found out I could and I was very happy and I was like, (laughs) why isn't this information out there? Mm. Why isn't there anything about this? Like, why isn't this accessible and why don't we learn this in in school? Like, Mm. instead of learning about diseases and condoms, which is equally important, but why don't we learn about painful periods or pain during sex or, you know, pleasure and consent? And so that kind of sparked a fire in me. Mm because I never really set out to be a documentarian. I've always had liked documentaries, and I have thought about documentaries in the past when I started mm. um, in the film industry, but I was told that there's no money in documentaries and no one is going to fund them, uh, which is not true.
0: Not true. Okay, good to know. <laughs>
1: and I, I I, think they're really important as well. I think documentaries Absolutely. are really important. So, So I came up with that, and I kind of – got something related made in regards to it It was really, really short. And then I kind of put it to bed. And then after lockdown, uh, the first lockdown, there was an opportunity to um, pitch ideas for an episode, a documentary episode about young people. And I'm putting my hands in this. (laughs) Quotes, <laughs> yeah, because they, yeah, I was like, young. Am I still young? Am I relevant? I don't know if this, but whatever. I'm just gonna like adjust this concept because originally I had a whole series laid out or a feature film. I was like, I want to make something long. I want it to be informative and I want to explore different aspects. And, you know, if I had all the money in the world, yes. I, you know, that would be Netflix, amazing to do. Netflix,
0: come get us. <laughs> yeah, well, actually,
1: they've got quite a lot of stuff now on yeah. Netflix about oh, the female orgasm. And totally. I feel a little bit cheated because I came up with it a long time ago. Um, but Road. it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But it is great. I'm glad that finally it's becoming a lot more mainstream for mm. people to talk about sex, about female pleasure and whatnot. And so you got to pitch it for TVNZ? Yeah. Yeah. So I pitched it to TVNZ. It got
0: shortlisted and then it got funded. Yeah. Yeah. So So it can be found on TVNZ on demand. I'll put the link in. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So it was not my intention to be in it, but because it was based on my experiences and because of how we had to structure, or how I thought I should structure this as a 20 minute episode. I thought that was kind of important.
0: Yeah. So, but there's lots of uh, voices in it. Yeah. So, I guess I'm curious about the because in storytelling for commercials, you've got like the main voice of the brand, in music video, you've got the voice of the musical artist, in documentaries, you've got lots of voices for the most part. Yeah, um, what's what's that like? It's really
1: exciting and, you know, somewhat unknown. Mm. What I realized through doing this documentary, and I really wanted to have a lot of women in it, a lot of p- different people in it, as many as we could. Kind of was a bit ambitious there, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was longer, but what I did learn is that though the voices were many and were all different, coming from different women, they all said similar stuff, which Mm -hmm. was like, to me is going through my journey and then putting myself out there in this way, which I was like, what am I doing to myself? I don't know how I feel about this, especially because it was retapping into something that was a few years back and kind of reliving it or recreating it in a way just to kind of share that experience that was really important to me. And so being vulnerable myself and seeing other people be vulnerable and open was really healing. And yes. I think it was really healing to all of us because I interviewed everyone. I did everything. I did everything. <laughs> it was exhausting. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, anyone out there listening, don't do it. Yeah, it was exhausting, but mm. it also meant that like I was there to really interact with
0: everyone and, and hear everyone. It. Be the yeah. Be the mother.
1: Yeah, yeah, and hold the space for everyone, mm. which was I was I. I think that's something that as a, as a motherly. I don't know this person not that I'm a mother but except my cat but the, I don't know some people don't think it counts anyway feels <laughs> <laughs> totally does by the way <laughs> feels like that you know holding that space is something that I really love to do for actors for musicians and it was great to be doing that Oof.
0: so yeah. oh, it's very alchemical when you say that you're holding space for people mm. what what point Or what points do you feel like your voice gets challenged in those processes? I think my voice
1: gets challenged all the time. I'm a woman who is brown and, Mm. you know, from a different country and I'm dyslexic and all these different things. So,
0: yeah. So you can feel the bias. You can feel people kind of making snap boundaries.
1: I definitely felt it. In the past, especially because I've got a um, background in acting. I do a bit of acting here and there, mostly commercials. Like in acting, I can definitely feel it a lot more. Um, Mm. Now that I'm in control and I do my own thing and there's not as much of that. But you still, you know,
0: you still have have a bit of that. Do you see the challenge? Like when your voice is challenged, do you see that most in the pitch stage or like in the... In the in the final product, like when you're doing sort of like your presentation, like where where does that come from? Just I guess the reason I'm asking is like how do we help the future gals?
1: Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, with the documentary and working with TVNZ, it was so. I don't know if I want to say easy, it wasn't easy to make it, but like they really understood my vision and agreed with it. And the same with the editing and the end of it, it was really not, it wasn't challenged there. I think when I'm thinking- Go TVNZ. (laughs) I know. Bravo. I know. They were really great. And actually when I think about it as a bigger scale, no, I don't get challenged as much. Maybe when it just comes to small
0: things where I have to put my foot down on what I want, you know, visually. For most of us- the efforts to keep up filming requirements during COVID lockdown is just not something we know about. What can you talk us through some of the challenges you faced trying to shoot during through the pandemics? Yes. And the peaks.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I've had a few shoots through the pandemic. It's definitely been really hard in terms of timing things mm. and having people get sick. Ugh. And especially when you're doing low budget, you just don't have that much wiggle room to just throw money at problems yeah um yeah so the documentary was done through the pandemic and luckily it was pretty good here in new zealand at the time so it wasn't too impacted which was great and with my latest music video however we shot it when it was red
0: red traffic
1: whatever they called it and that was a huge risk because Mm you spend weeks organizing and getting things together. And um, that latest music video also had a massive amount. Well, for me, a massive amount of extras. I'm usually working with like a few actors at a time. Oh, yeah. It was like a whole nightclub. (laughs) Yeah. And that was hard in itself to uh, find people who would be willing to be part of it um, in such a time where, you know, COVID was just starting to appear in places. And so everyone was still a little bit scared about it. So that was, it was always feeling like we might have to pull the plug at any minute. And we almost had to actually, but luckily we could go through with it and no one got COVID and everyone was fine. And mm. we've got a lot of protocols within the film industry when it comes to handling COVID and mm. um, hygiene stuff. So overall, I think it's been all right. It's definitely impacted the the work, you know, in terms of like how much work is happening and when productions started shooting more and less, it's just been fluctuating a bit. Uh, but I think we're getting into a place now where it feels better. It definitely feels like it's harder to make the lower budget stuff as opposed to like all the bigger budget stuff can just throw money at things and carry on. So I do think there's some impact there on local contact that probably...
0: yeah. I mean, that's already kind of exasperating equity and representation. So that's something that I think all of us can watch out for and contribute to in our own ways to make sure that some of those gaps that have become even wider because of this horrific pandemic that we can do our, like our part.
1: Yeah, definitely. Consume films that are local. Yes, yes. Definitely. Consume films that are local, uh, TV series. I think there's a bunch of new series from younger filmmakers, which is super awesome. I think TVNZ has done a great job at just kind of um, bringing in new artists and really uh, letting them have their say. Uh, And it's really refreshing and really nice to see. And also seeing more diversity
0: on the screen in that way is super cool. I mean, you think about major conglomerates like the Apples and the Netflix, but then, you know, we have this incredible resource right here in Aotearoa TV and does a pretty fantastic job. That's like my personal takeaway. Yeah. Very, very heartwarming.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, and also, yeah, watch watch things, watch music videos, because also a lot of people put a lot of effort into those in New Zealand with the limited funds and also support New Zealand artists because there's some awesome musicians here. And I think oh they don't get enough radio time.
0: You've had a really cool run at making music videos for Masbeau Q, mm. so the most recent ones go and be free. And this one's not a fantasy piece, <laughs> like best of you. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, you could not get to different thematics, although they're both relational. Yes. In terms of like intent and, and story writing.
1: Yes. So, um, yes, I love my fantasy and I love my narratives. (laughs) So Maz and I have been friends for a while now and gotten to know each other quite well. Um, Before we started to work together, which has been really nice. Um, uh, He also loves like the kind of sci-fi fantasy kind of stuff, which is why we're like, Ooh, let's make all these things. And we vibe on that level. And when it came to Go and Be Free, um, it was, it was, going in a different direction for a while to be honest mm. and then it was covid and then it was this and that and the one thing i really love about masbro q when he plays live like firstly go and see him he's amazing like the energy he brings onto the stage is so much fun but there's also a full band usually oh, yeah like between porn
0: sections yeah yeah. yeah,
1: the whole deal. And we had twelve or thirteen people there. So <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I've seen him and the band and they have so much chemistry and it's just so much fun. And I don't think there's many uh artists that do hip hop that you have that with. And I think that's so unique and unique to him. Mm. And so I've we've always talked about an idea of having the band there for one of the songs. And because go and be free had all the horns at the start we kind of were like, oh, can we do um, a narrative and also do a performance video? Um, So people get an idea for what he's like when he's true. True. Um, And yeah. And, and the, the song is kind of got like the meaning of the song is about having to say goodbye to someone, even Mm. though you might not want to, but wishing them the best, even though it hurts. And so we, we took that in a, in that direction of showing two people that are there, but they're, going apart their own ways at the end, but we didn't want it to be too dramatic and too intense. We just it wanted really it to be really tender.
0: Light. Yes. Yeah. I loved it. And, and light, you're yeah, right. It wasn't yeah. um, a painful, angsty yeah. content at all. That's beautiful. So one thing that I really love that you do is you've been filming Um New Year for a couple of years now. And for anyone not aware, this om um, A U M is a festival that hits at uh, the New Year, and it's this outdoor festival, kind of electronic music, thematic, but like incredibly artsy, incredibly beautiful. And Gal has been f- doing the um, content and filming for that for how how long now? I feel like five years. Wow, a while. Yeah, you say you've watched the community grow and evolve throughout those years yes what's that been like it's been
1: really great um so anna and paul they are actually it's a bit of a funny story (laughs) anna has worked with my dad what yes so i heard about om before it was even a, a news festival it was uh a production company that put put on events. Oh right. And right. they put on parties. And my dad once, when he was in New Zealand, this was years ago, uh, when he was living here, he got some tickets to one of their, I think, first gigs. And it was a very kind of intimate small thing that was up on Cave Road in some lounge bar. I can't remember right now. It was really, really cool. Um, mm. and he got this tickets from Anna um, To the gig, and it was a Psytrance gig. And my dad was like, Oh, I don't know about <laughs> Psytrance. <laughs> Do you want the tickets? And so he told Anna as well about me. So she knew all about me. And so I was like, Yeah, why not? So I went, and it was really cool. It was really different at the time. Uh, actually, it would still be really different now. But it was intimate. I think it was there was a limit on how many people, maybe a hundred people. I can't oh, wow. remember. And there was a whole area with costumes that you could wear on the night. So oh, you could that's go so cool. and play around and there was wigs and all sorts of different things. So it was, it felt like a really safe, playful space where there was just like absolute trust and respect from everyone
0: and it was super lovely and fun. And I think oh, wow. there was, so that's really been a consistent thing. Then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So they've always had the same ethos, which mm. I really respect. And even though they've grown so much, you know, from doing those smaller parties to doing almost, I don't know how many people were on last year, maybe yeah. almost five. I don't know. But it still has the same soul to yeah. it. It still has that same vision that Anna and Paul had at the start, which is That's amazing. Awesome. Uh, and so when I met them, they... I was just starting out I've uh, been directing now for about five years professionally and uh acting a bit longer and so um I just started to do their
0: videos and it's just become a bit of a tradition now and I, I really <laughs> love it. <laughs> do you get much uh difficulty in terms of capturing the magic of those kinds of festival atmospheres like does the does the camera and the crew Influence what you're capturing, or do you feel like you do a pretty good job of camo and being like really subtle?
1: Yeah, so a lot of the people that I bring in each year have done it before, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's new people. And usually I kind of give them quite a bit of what I want <laughs> to make sure that we get everything that we need, but definitely they all just can and have like brought on a bit of their own flavor into what they shoot and stuff. But I think the magic in making those videos is really the editing and the storytelling of Mm. how you put all those things together and how you craft them together, because we get so much footage. There's so much footage, so many things, and it's really just choosing those moments that
0: capture that um, essence. I mean, the combination of the, the performers who are, always like striking and they've done something really beautiful with the stage or with their own costuming um plus i feel like nighttime shooting adds like mm. some realm of of mystery and and wonderment because you usually just you just don't see a lot of
1: Yeah, because it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to shoot. You need uh, low light cameras and stuff. Um, But yes, definitely. And I mean, almost so beautiful. And like the art there is so wonderful. And it's becoming every year. There's just more art and more performers and more of everything. It's so great um, to see it grow in that sense. I love
0: outdoor festivals. (laughs) Like this is definitely one of my favorite things about Aotearoa is the the quality of the music and the quality of the natural environment like yes
1: un- yeah.
0: unparalleled yeah and yeah and
1: with the setting of Om um as well with the deer it's it's really stunning What's been really cool for the last few years is that we've also been interviewing some of the artists and some of the crew every mm-hmm. year because we've been collecting footage to cut into a documentary at some point, which <gasps> I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say, but I will find out. So there's been some stuff behind the scenes. So what you are seeing or like the little promotional videos are very much a very small thing of what we actually it's kept. It's the
0: vibe. There. Yeah. You've definitely vibe. got the vibe in those yeah. promotional
1: and the thing that I see the most with OM that's been so consistent is like hearing the different people who are involved in AUM, from crew to artists to volunteers of how, yeah, how they speak about OM and the experience in the family. And it is like a family. Mm. I know it sounds cheesy, but it does have a very special feeling and everyone feels really cared for, which, as you know, from my statement on my website is something that I, I really um, appreciate and I I feel like is needed to create anything that's, art. Really and again. ethical. And ethical, yeah.
0: Here, here to conscientious production and the community of and the spirit of connectedness that you bring to the table. Well done, gal. I'm just in love with the span of work that you've done and the insights that you bring to the table. Thank you. Um, can I ask you some random questions that I ask yeah, my guests? of course. <laughs> so, given the choice to spend a day with a version of yourself either from the past, present or future. What would you choose? Ooh that's a good question.
1: Ah, oh, I don't know. That's a hard one. That's a really hard one. I mean, it depends. If I choose my younger self, is it like giving my younger self a kind of a heads up? Or is it just totally hanging out could. with my one? Well, whatever you want to do. A part of me is like, oh, I just want to hang out with like, I don't even know if I want to hang out with myself, <laughs> 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 to be honest. Uh, but like, if I hung out with myself as I am now, I feel like I'd have the, uh, the most to talk about and the most chill vibes. Whereas in, in the past, I've definitely been a bit more chaotic. Um, But I'd also feel like if I got the opportunity to talk to and hang out with myself as a kid, I would do that because as a kid, I was super lost. Like I Mm. had no idea what the hell life was going to be like, Mm. which I know everyone does. But I really struggled in school. I had a lot of issues in school, mainstream school. And I got moved to an art school, thank God, because my parents were really alternative and yeah, were very much aware that maybe the- dyslexia
0: is no joke.
1: Yeah, no, and they. My mom was a natural therapist, so she didn't want to put me on any medication. So she's like, "We're just gonna move her to an art school and see how she does, and sign her up for a gymnastics so she can use up her." energy and run around and it totally worked. And I'm really grateful for that. But there's definitely been a lot of time through my childhood until my teenagehood, actually until I finished high school where I had a lot of doubts about myself and Mm. my capabilities and my intelligence.
0: Gorgeous. Oh, so sweet. Did you learn something as a child that you don't necessarily use on a day-to-day basis, but it's like stuck in your head that you still know how to do this thing or yeah, I'm was, curious about this.
1: I was actually just having a conversation with a friend before this about um, the fact that I was going to meditation classes as a kid. Mm. And my mom wow. was really into that. Wow. <laughs> and she used to wear all white and yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yes. Um, so that was from a very young age. I went to a lot of meditation <gasps> classes and things. And it was challenging Uh, But I definitely know that it was beneficial for me. Uh, And so something that I don't do is meditate at the moment. And I feel like it's one of those things that
0: would probably benefit me. Yeah, but you could sink into it with like some muscle memory there. I think so. Because I I find it very difficult to sit still for long Mm. periods of time. Like I immediately tense up and go like, oh, my my lower back is going to be Mm. not okay. Which I think probably exacerbates it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Totally. And I think what I have learned in my own sort of, I don't know, spiritual journey, I don't know what to call it, but like trying to find my own inner peace and be quiet within myself is that, you don't always just need to sit in a room with your eyes closed like you can meditate in different ways Mm. um and a lot of that i feel like and this is controversial and people might say it's wrong but like when i cook i feel like i kind of meditate like i love cooking Mm. um and i can spend hours in the kitchen and just get into it and just clear my mind and feel so at ease afterwards oh so that's beautiful even though i would like to be able to sit there and meditate. And I think I should, to a degree. Um, I, I do try and kind of implement that into some things that I do do on the regular basis. Um,
0: nice. Oh, I love that. Oh, honey. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to cover? I mean, this is your show. We're just celebrating you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know.
1: I guess, I mean, just to round off like my statement, I think that we should watch, support, and uh, make more things that are diverse with different people, mm. from different genders and different colors, and be open to different cultures and ideas. Mm. And I think that will make the world a slightly better place.
0: Oh my gosh. Hell yeah. Oh, thank you, darling. I'm gonna end with a bit of gratitude. I wanted to voice gratitude for my heritage. Actually something that we share the beautiful songs and language of our Jewish ancestors. Um I might not practice Judaism, but I really love the songs and prayers. I'm I'm grateful that there's an intersection of poetry and religion. I mean, otherwise I would have banished religion from conversation, but the fact that there's this richness and poetic depth to Judaism is something that I love. And I'm grateful for creatives, wild hearts, and brave, bold voices like Gal. I'm so grateful for the power of storytelling. And I'm also very grateful for my network of support you and I both have such a vibrant web of people that brighten our day. So, thank you, everyone out there that loves and supports us. <sighs> thank you for your time, my darling. Thank you. It's been really fun. Good. <laughs> That's it for me. So, hit us up, and I will see you for another episode of the Rudo Love Podcast. Kakite noaho yakoto.